now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, we are actually going to begin. So if you want to flip over, um, I know you're in Luke 15 now. If you want to flip over to Matthew chapter 28, uh, we're going to be there first. Code number nine in our vision series. Our code is our core values. Code number nine, we're, like, we're the second to the last one. Um, it's been amazing to kind of walk through them and celebrate what, what, uh, what we're about, what we celebrate, what we run for, what we're uh, made of, what we identify with. Number nine is this. You have one job. One job. We have one job. And that is to make disciples. That's to make disciples disciples. So we want to reel back in to a passage we've been at almost every week of these codes, uh, which is the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, and it goes something like this. Again, we've revisited this every week, but hopefully taken a different take on it, a different perspective of it. Today is more of a, uh, the idea of what is a disciple, and how do we make them? What is a disciple and how do we make them? So this is, these are Jesus' words. He's talking to his disciples, his followers. Jesus, he's 33. He's, he's um, lived his 33 years on this earth. And the thing that blows my mind has been like I'm wrestling with all uh, week, especially, is that even though Jesus obviously lived out the life of Jesus, Jesus was the hands and feet of Jesus every day of his, of his entire existence, so it was only the last three years that he was in ministry. So if Jesus can prove any point, it's this. Is that he trusts the, the, himself. <laughs> he trusts his father. And he trusts the Holy Spirit that he's getting ready to send down. That actually he speaks about the Holy Spirit as it's better the Holy Spirit is, that I send the Holy Spirit than for Jesus himself to even stay. He's putting all the way, all the trust on the work of God in a short period of time. And he's, again, again, giving it to 11 B-team, junior varsity, teenage boys, disciples. So Jesus obviously believes that the gospel changes it all. And Jesus obviously believes that this is actually going to work. Because I love that he takes three years. <laughs> three years in ministry. I currently have more experience in ministry than Jesus had with his disciples, right? Not, not really, because that, that's a long discussion of earth and heaven and all that. But all that to say is he took three years of intentional discipleship with these dozen guys. Now, this is what he says to them. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw them, they worshipped him. And some doubted still, which blows my mind that they would even, at this point, doubt. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority. Is this sounding familiar? We've hit this a few times. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, guys... Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, guys, 
Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I know Jesus was God with skin. He was 100% God and he was 100% man. That 100% man part, like that, that side of him, or that, like his, in his humanity that we can't even grasp. But that part of it has to wonder, like once he ascended to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting to be sent by the Father back, because Jesus is coming back, by the way. Um, I don't know if you knew that, but he's coming back. The good guys win, the bad guys lose, period, all right? Last second shot, whatever you want to call it, we win, right? But Jesus is up there. I wonder if his first, like, thoughts, once he's, like, seated down, he's like, whoo. I wonder if his first thought, when he looks down at these disciples, these 11, these 11 teenage boys have just been handed the keys of all the authority of what's going to happen and flipping this world upside down. I wonder if his first thought, once he's not seeing a lot of movement, once he's seeing frustration or, or bickering or like, like stalling or not doing exactly. I wonder if Jesus was like, <laughs> even though he was holy and perfect, I, I wonder if in that moment he was a perfectionist. And he's like looking down thinking, guys, like you have one job. You have one job. Like this is it. That's all I've asked you to do. That's all I've asked you to do is to make disciples. We, the church, have one job. It's kind of comforting, right? Like, guys, we have one job. Conduit has one job. And you're like, okay, one job. This sounds simple, right? Was to make disciples. And so I know this is, that's even uh, maybe not a part of our everyday language. Like, hey, how was your week? Oh, you know, I was just really busy making disciples. Um, just kind of doing my thing, you know. What are your big resolutions for 2018? Oh, I want to lose some weight, you know, drink big, you know, make some disciples, just that kind of thing. Like, this not in our everyday language. But it's the one job we have, guys. So what does making disciples look like? What does making disciples look like? Here's my, my, my a, a couple things. T today my desire is to um, exhort Exhortation is, is kind of a, a, also a, maybe a little bit of a scary word. Exhortation is this, this idea or realization this through teaching and through revealing of the truth that like, okay, like we've got some work to do, right? It's like, it's that, it's that moment of like stepping on the scale or it's that moment when my kids this week, they got their report card. It's that moment where they're like, all right, exhortation says, I got some work to do, right? But also with exhortation, I want to uh, bring edification. Edification, which simply means to build up. Encouragement. And encouragement is great, but sometimes encouragement is like lollipops and marshmallows. Like, no, I won't go there. But edification, what I want to do is to build you up. I want to build the body up because here's what I also think. Although we have tremendous amount of work to do to make disciples, a tremendous amount of, of like ground to cover, and every single one of us has to leave changed. 
Guys, listen, we have to leave different than we came in, myself included. Because we, have, we are reminded in this moment, in this day, that we have one job. But I also, I also with that, that truth being revealed, I also want to remind us, I want to reveal to us, I want to build us up with the idea that sometimes I think we have the wrong definition of what discipleship is or what making disciples looks like. And my heart for you this morning is that you would walk away incredibly edified and encouraged. Because here's what I believe. I believe that you guys are actually doing, making more disciples and effort and discipleship making than you even realize. Than you even realize. So I want you to be more than even exhorted. I want you to be completely edified this morning through his word. So I want to define just real simply uh, as we kind of, before we go any further, what is, what is the definition of making disciples? What is the definition of making disciples? Here it is. You ready? Um, Four-year Bible degree. Masters in biblical counseling from seminary. All comes down to this. You ready? This is the definition of making disciples. Helping others be like Jesus. Helping others be like Jesus. Right? We make it too complicated. And I don't know about you, but like whether it's certain subjects in school or certain subjects in life and conversation or certain like uh, things that are going around in world events, like there's sometimes when things seem complicated, we don't step in to engage it or to understand it, or to try to change it, or be a part of it. This is what we do. When something feels complicated, well, guys, our lives are busy and ready. Like, we don't need that. Like, fine. Like, it's complicated. I'm, I'm moving on to something else. And I, my fear, guys, if this is our one job, my fear is that there's so many of us that is like, okay, our one job is to make disciples as followers of Jesus. That's like our one job. It's our one job, but I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't know what that, what that is, and so it looks complicated, so therefore I'm going to step back from that. I, I don't even know how to engage or do that. What is discipleship? Helping others be like Jesus. You have one job. One job. That's all you have. Um. There's this, uh, one of the reasons we came up with that as one of our codes, I'm sure you've used this phrase. Have you ever used that phrase in your life or you said that uh, kind of like a smart out comment to someone like, bro, you had like one job. Like that's all you had and, and somehow you missed it, right? Uh, there's this, uh, there's these memes that um, made me kind of like express my, my heart and desire and I just wanted to like point out on the screen this morning uh, simply like in our culture in our day there are people that like have regular like like just nine to five type jobs and they have one job and they missed it right and I just want to walk through a couple of these um, pictures with you this morning 
The best part about some of these pictures, um, are you guys with me up there? The best part about some of the, what'd he say? You've got one job! Oh my, no. <laughs> Who said that? that? They're hired. Whoever said that, you're so hired, yes. All right. Okay, all right, we'll move on then. Okay, we got it? All right. <laughs> I love these. Because people, these guys had one job. One job. Like, bro. The best was, so I don't remember a lot of them, but the best was the caption of some of these. Um, go to the next one. <laughs> like, like, dude, you like, you're, you got like one job. Literally, just move the branch, bro. Like, make a straight line. All right, next one. <laughs> this is so something a guy would do right here. Like, this is something like, oh, just like stick it right there. Like, don't take the time to like, I ain't trying to unbutton buttons and put it over the model. I'm not going to do that. All right, next one. You had one job. This guy, <laughs> you had this giant machine. It's pouring out asphalt. And you had this, like, actually nine guys holding a shovel, leaning on the shovel. Like, you nine guys had one job. Let us know when there's a manhole. Okay, next job. Next job. <laughs> I love this one. Because... <laughs> Go to the next one. <laughs> uh, hold on, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. I, I like this because this is, again, like, if you've brought in the groceries from the house, like, you can't make two trips. You ain't trying to do two trips with the grocery bags. You got to get them all in one. And this guy is like, yeah, I think we could get two in there. I, I mean, yeah, it won't be awkward at all. <laughs> all right, next one. Next <laughs> 41 Avenue, I love it. Like you were the you were the TH imprint. Like you, bro. Hey, Timmy, come on, put the TH guy, get over here. Like, and he missed it. All right, next one, couple more. <laughs> uh, you, I don't know if you can see this very well. Uh, the, that's lemonade, uh, no cut lemons, just lemons <laughs> thrown in there. I uh, love it. That's gonna be the best lemonade ever. All right, well, I think there's one more. Uh, two more. Actually, this one's funny because uh, the caption, because those are all video games, um, the caption said, uh, gamers like a, a challenge. <laughs> I like it. All right, I think there is one more, actually. <laughs> this one's caption said, Tetris King. <laughs> totally. You had one job. One job. One job. Guys, we have one job. One job. And it's actually quite sobering. Uh, because I, I, I believe that when I stand before Almighty God, and my sins are gone, they're cast as far as the east is to the west, they're to be remembered no more. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I'm welcomed in to heaven forever and ever. 
But there's the judgment seat of Christ where we still stand before a holy God. And we still give an account for what we did with Jesus. Guys, we're not just saved from something. We're saved to something. And when we're saved to something, God is pointing out the fact, as he did with these disciples, that it's not about you just being saved from hell or fire or your sin. The whole point is that you were put on mission. You were put on mission for the world. Now go and make disciples. So they, they, they don't even realize or understand that they're just saved from something. That them as well, they are saved to something. This is this beautiful idea of discipleship. Is that we get, we get to bring people towards Jesus to be more like Jesus. Jesus gave it all. And that's the model for us as disciples. That's the model for us discipling someone else. That's the model for us discipling someone else. So one, one point we make um, constantly through our vision and our mission and our code, you've heard this phrase, home, church, city. Home, flows into the church, and the church flows into the city. This idea of being on mission in your home, and in your church, and in your city, right? I want to kind of go backwards just for a moment. <clears throat> I believe making disciples, making disciples is just this. It's helping others be like Jesus. So what does is, what is making disciples look like in the city, guys? Making disciples in the city looks like snow cones, it looks like interactions. It looks like the UPS guy dropping boxes off to the same businesses over and over and saying hello and learning their name. It looks like a barista making the best coffee they've ever made for the same customer that comes in and they know what they want and they know what they are going to order. And like there's these connections that are happening in the city. But there, there may be, there may be, maybe just connections. It's... Discipleship doesn't have to be like, hey, bro, good to see you. I, I'm, I'm making your coffee. Hey, how do we, why don't we stay after and study for a few hours the book of James? Is that cool? Like, can we do that? Is, are you good with that? No? Okay. All right. I can keep the coffee. All right. Like, that's, like you, you got to understand that, that making disciples isn't always jumping into 20,000-foot deep conversations about theology. Discipleship. Helping others be like Jesus. They, they, you mentioned James. They don't even know James. They're like, who's James? And that's okay. They're not there yet. So the city is the place. Your workplace is the place. On the road is the place. Using your hobbies and the connections you have with people that, that maybe don't know Jesus yet. Or maybe know Jesus and are trying to grow in him. The city is the place where you make those connections. So that's what it means to go. For these disciples, that's what it meant for them to go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, Jesus didn't put anything in here about making snow cones. Trust me. But what he was implying was you have to start somewhere. Guys, listen. These disciples, it didn't, like, the process by which they made disciples was not this, like, hey, guys, let's, get, let's put together this sweet chariot. We'll paint it a bright color, and we'll serve snow cones. Like, we'll just go on this corner and this corner. No, no, no. Do you know what happened to these guys? Most of them, as they went around the world, 
or as they went on different missionary journeys, or they helped, again, over time, help Paul and Silas and Barnabas and all these guys to be able to go through, to spread the gospel all throughout the world. In order for that to take place, do you know what happened to these men? They were persecuted. They were not welcome. They were put through the fire. I mean, literally, some of them put through a fire, boiled in oil. James, speaking of James, James was the brother of Jesus. Grew up, Mary and Joseph, remember Christmas? James was their, uh, that was their son, which was Jesus on earth, his brother, James. James, uh, again, if your brother will willingly admit that you're God, you're God, all right? So that, if that's ever any proof, James was brought to the top of the temple and thrown. I said, you deny your brother as the Messiah or we'll throw you off. And they did. And when he landed, he wasn't dead yet. And they said, you recant. You deny your brother. And he says, I will not. And they clubbed him to death. Peter, crucified upside down. Crucified. Did not end well for these guys. Be encouraged. You may not have the same outcome. But I'm just simply, I'm just, in all seriousness, guys, I'm, I'm simply pointing out that the goal of this is not just our prosperity and our comfort. That the goal of this is that making disciples is hard. And it's not all sunshine and rainbows, and it's certainly not all snow cones. But in that city, you make that connection in the church. In the city, and then the church, the church. What a beautiful place, right? The bride of Christ. I love conduit. I love conduit. Um, you know, I, I've, I felt at, at the age of 19 a calling into uh, pastoral ministry, right? And uh, went to a few different places to be able to, um, to serve in any way possible, um, to help people be discipled, and be more like Jesus, right? But there's nothing more beautiful than the church. And I'll be honest, like, uh, the church is, is actually, it's a pretty rough place. I mean, it's, you come and everybody's friendly, right? And, and I come and everybody laughs at you and I get, I get that and point at your face. Um, no, but in all seriousness, it, it's, it's, it's not always a great place. It sometimes is a place that um, is messy and difficult. But, but I don't want to focus on that part. I want to point out the fact that, like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm filled with joy. Pastor Cameron, filled with joy. Our staff, our leaders, filled with joy to pour their life on the calling of the church. And making disciples in the church. And, and not, obviously not just limited to this room. It could be anywhere. It could be in the back of a laundromat. But the church, the bride, is beautiful. And it's so, it's, I'll just say it's such an amazing privilege to lean on to that. And to, to throw my life into that. The church is worth our lives pitching in, putting our hands in for the cause of Jesus and his bride.
My encouragement to you again is to lean into that. Making disciples may have everything to do with who's sitting next to you right now or sitting in front of you or behind you. Or that kids matter and they're below you downstairs. I want, to re- I want to end by revisiting the church, but I want to get to the home. The city, the church, or home. Again, usually it's home, church, city, church, excuse me, city, church, home. Every person in this room, you need to know this. That your primary, your primary battlefield to make disciples in this life, the 75 or 100 years that you're given, your primary battlefield, the place where you make disciples, is your home. It's your home. We could talk about making disciples in the church. We could put together certain programs that, that may attempt to like put a dent in discipleship. We may do fun things in the city and make connections and all these things that we should. But guys, our primary responsibility is to make disciples in our home. Parents, it's your job. Dad, men, it's your job. Moms, Keep up the good work. It's your job. Sadly, moms, a lot of times, get this. I hear that phrase more often than I hear it from men. Man, I just want to get my kids in church. Parents, it's our job. Grandparents, single parents, our sole responsibility to teach our children and those that are in our home the word of God, the character of Jesus. What does discipleship look like in your home? Helping your kids be like Jesus. Helping your kids be like Jesus. How does that happen? Through love, through teaching, through the Bible, through Bible memorization, through praying over your kids every day, having that conversation, but more than all of that, by modeling it, by modeling the character of Jesus in your home. By modeling the character of Jesus in your home. This is all over scripture. Ephesians 6 talks about bringing your kids up and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is how we are to raise our kids. So that we have a bunch of like little like Christian crazed Jesus crazy people walking around like little kids just like they know the word back and forth and all that. Yeah, that's part of it. But are they pressing in? Are they leaning in to the heart of Jesus? Are they leaning into the heart of Jesus? The better question is are you leaning in to the heart of Jesus? Is, it, is church a priority to your kids? I don't know. Is it a priority to you? 
is building and giving to the kingdom and doing all you can to support what God is doing in the kingdom. I don't, is it important to them? I don't know. Is it important to you? Discipleship making happens in the home. How do we bring people to a place where they can make disciples? As we make disciples in them, we help them get to Jesus. We help them be like Jesus. Okay. Luke 5. Luke 5. Luke 5. How are we doing on time? Oh. Okay. Let's go. Luke 5. This, this story is amazing. I love this story. Luke chapter 5. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is, like always, surrounded by so many others wanting to hear the truth. Wanting to hear what's happening. Look at verse 17. I think this is one of the best stories in the whole Bible. I love this. Jesus heals the paralytic. One of those days, it says in verse 17, Luke chapter 5, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. You hear me on that? The power was with him to heal. And behold, some men, <laughs> like, oh man, I, I was just kind of picking on the guys, um, the men. But like, this is where these, like, redneck engineers are about to enter the building. Are you ready? <laughs> And some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Imagine this. Like, just in the middle of, just in the middle of, of Capernaum, this guy is paralyzed, uh, this makeshift bed, and these, like, say, four guys are carrying, them on a, carrying this guy on a stretcher. And you're just, like, going about your normal day, and you just see this, like, these guys just, like, walk right through. You know something's happening because there's, there's teachers and there's all these people gathered in this one large home where Jesus is in the center of the home. They know something's up. They know something's up. Um, it says, but finding no way to get into the house, no way to bring him in because of the crowd. It says they went up to the roof and they let him down on his bed through the tiles in the midst of before Jesus. Imagine this. Oh my goodness, people. Get this, get this picture. Like you're in the room, just like this. The room is crowded. Um, and let's say Jesus is right in the middle. You couldn't fit another person in the room. <laughs> All of a sudden, you start hearing like scratch, scratch, like scratching on the ceiling. And, like, Jesus is kind of like, Jesus, I'm sure, knew exactly what was happening. But Jesus kind of, like, pauses for a minute, looks up. Everybody looks up. 
And then it got quiet and like, okay, they went back to teaching. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the roof like opens up. Like, I don't know if one guy like stomped through it or they had to just move some stuff. I don't know what it looked like. But in my mind, I'd like to imagine that it was not easy to open up the roof of this home. I would imagine that there was some redneck engineering, that there was some uh, random, any stick you could find tool and jamming a hole through this roof. We got to get Timmy. I keep using Timmy. Um, I got to find a different name. Wayne. I'll choose Wayne. We got to get Wayne. We got to get Wayne down to Jesus. Guys, I know this man can heal. And I know it's crowded. But we got to get him in there. All right. Let's get him up to the roof. We'll figure it out once we get up there. I don't know. Like, <laughs> typical guys, right? Like, we'll figure it out. I don't know what I'm doing. Right? They get up there, and they're stomping through the roof. And all of a sudden, they make a hole big. And they're like, they're like all right, this guy's paralyzed. This could end very badly. Like this, you want to talk about like civilized, like, like get my church clothes on and like, oh, church is just so civilized. Imagine this moment, like dirt's falling in on Jesus and on everybody in the room. It's completely disruptive. And then they're about to drop a guy who's paralyzed. Poor Wayne is coming right through and they're like, I don't know, they're like, just tie one of his legs and, like, just, like, lean him down? Like, have you ever thought this through? We, like, we read this story like it's so civilized. Oh, yeah, they went to the roof, of course. But, like, what happened? Like, how did they get on the roof? Was the roof flat or was the roof like this? Were, were they concerned with this guy that was just going to be like, like, was, was Wayne in trouble? Was, was, like, have you thought this through? But nonetheless... This is the point. Jesus was there in the middle. And their friends were so full of faith. They said, I'm going to do whatever it takes. If I had to get up to the roof, and I'm going to bring Wayne down. we got to get Wayne to Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get caught up in the story. That, that is discipleship. Story doesn't end there. So they bring, <laughs> they bring Wayne down. <laughs> Sorry, Wayne. You're the first person I saw. Usually I pick on Billy. This is a dangerous section here, by the way. So is this one, because I spit a lot. Um, it's just, you're, you're not safe anywhere in here, all right? Uh, <laughs> so, okay, here we go. So. Uh, they brought him down, and the scribes and the Pharisees began, oh, oh, back up a step, sorry. But finding no way to bring him in, they, because of the crowd, they went up to the roof, and they let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. They brought him down to him. And when they saw, <clears throat> and when he saw their faith, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. This is controversial. Because I didn't, I didn't hear that guy pray a sinner's prayer. Oh, I mean, he was yelling the whole way down. I don't know if that was like, if he was like speaking in tongues. I'm not sure what was happening to Wayne as he was coming down. But I didn't, all Jesus saw was his friend's faith. 
This did not go so well in the religious room. The scribes and the Pharisees, they begin to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus answered them, why do you, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then to prove that he has the authority to forgive this man's sins, this is what he does. He says to the man, I say to you, Wayne, rise up, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately Wayne got up before and he picked up his bed and he went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. I don't care, every skeptical person, every person that's questioning the motive, the process, everything that had just happened. It says that amazement seized, took over, controlled, covered them all. And they were glorified and they were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Who speaks these blasphemies? Who can say they can forgive sins but God alone? News flash, Jesus is God. And Jesus can do whatever he wants because he is God. But he just doesn't come and does whatever he wants for his own pleasure and his own focus. He takes that moment and he's okay with the focus coming off of him to heal this man. To not just heal him like temporarily on this earth in the 75 years he has and then he can walk and jump and praise God with his life. But he's more concerned with his eternal salvation. That he says this man's sins can be and are forgiven. How? Why? Because of these other people. Now, I'm not putting this out there to say, hey, by, by the way, there's a new way to be saved. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is this, is that bringing people to Jesus requires you. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is not concerned. He is not interested in cutting out the middleman. You, me, we have one job. We're the middleman. We are not, he, he's not interested in just cutting to the chase and just like making everyone just do what he wants. And like as robots, he wants to use you and me as a conduit. He wants to you, use you and me as a vehicle to bring people to him. So if you ever wonder, what does it look like to make a disciple? That's what it looks like. I don't care what it takes, but you have somebody that you know that needs Jesus or needs to grow closer to Jesus or is really struggling, knows Jesus, has salvation, but yet they're in a deep, deep, dark chasm of sin or struggle or maybe they're the victim of something so horrific and they're in that place. No, you know what? They can't move. They don't know what to do. That's where you come in. They, like if, there's better, if there was a better analogy of bringing someone to Jesus there's no better analogy. That guy, Wayne, did nothing. He did nothing. But others brought him to Jesus. Who is the Wayne in your life? Who needs brought to Jesus? Yes, you're like, wait a minute, you're talking about evangelism. Yes, that's a part of discipleship. Go back to the Great Commission. Go. <laughs> Make disciples 
Well, how do you do it? You baptize them. That's salvation. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's this outward picture of an inward peace. It's this outward picture of an inward decision. It's this death to life moment. It's this dark to light moment. It's everything that we sung about, sing about. It's this moment where we say, you know what? There's so much darkness. But now, because of Jesus, there's so much light. This is beautiful moment of discipleship is where you take someone, maybe not the whole way. Maybe it's not from all the way to the touchdown, all right? Maybe you bring them to the 30-yard line. Maybe you're a link in that chain. Maybe you're one step for them. Maybe you're that one moment of just encouraging and bringing them to a place where they're reminded of this. Do not forget that you're the model. Do not forget that you're the model. This, does, this, this shouldn't intimidate us. This shouldn't bring us to a spot like, oh, I'm scared to death. Like, I, don't, I can't get it right. Like, don't forget that Bob, you know Bob from um, The Biggest Loser? Remember him, Bob, like in shape Bob from The Biggest Loser? The guy had a heart attack. And my first thought is like, there's no hope for any of us. Like, if Bob from The Biggest Loser had a heart attack, then there's no hope. Like, I'm never going to work out ever again, right? It didn't work for Bob. It's not going to work for me, right? Like, it's like justification, right? That's the wrong mindset. Us as disciples, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. We're just moving to Jesus ourselves. We're just moving closer to Jesus ourselves. We're transforming ourselves. Discipleship. Listen, listen. Discipleship. It's not about the information that you have that you want to pass on. Discipleship is about transformation that you're stuck in the middle of as well. Discipleship, if anything, is all about becoming intentional with your friends, intentional with your family, intentional with your kids. Just give, just give me a couple more minutes, guys. Just give me one second. I'm sorry. I just, I, I want you to get, are you with me? All right. You know what? It's like this. I'll just say it. <clears throat> who, who in this room <laughs> is like Wayne, is like that man, is like that person? But you know what? You may be in a spot where you feel like you can't do anything to be saved to be forgiven, to be redeemed, to be brought from dark to light. You need to know right now, forget all the rest I had to say, you need to know right now that we want to bring you to that place. God's in this moment using my voice as a middleman to say hope is here, hope is free. Redemption can start today by faith coming to Jesus. So I'd love to after, I'd love for you to come talk to Pastor Cameron or myself or anybody to help begin that process, that begin that life, I should say, that journey. But when I take this home, conduit, just here's the point. We have one job. We have one job. It's to make disciples. And if you're in this room, you are 
and you're a follower of Jesus, you are contributing to that fact, to that end. If you're loving others around you, you're making disciples. You're speaking encouragement, edification to one another. You're making disciples. You're teaching them the word of God. You're sitting down in an open house or somebody over coffee and you're helping walk them through the, under, the understanding and the, the, the ideas that God has through his word. That's discipleship. You're showing up and you're loving on these babies down the hall. You're loving on these kids down below. You're, you're welcoming people when they come in the room. You're helping people in the parking lot not slip on ice. You're doing all these things. You're a part of the process of making disciples. Dads, moms, you're working hard to create a place to meet the basic needs of your family. Along with the other process of teaching your kids and praying with your kids and bringing them to the basic knowledge and bringing them closer to Christ, you're making disciples. You're a part of that. If you're teaching someone else that God is good, that he is grace, gracious, that he's merciful, that there is hope, that you can be forgiven. You're making disciples. For, go, for you, go may actually mean stay. For you, go may mean keep doing what you're doing. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Make disciples. Your one job isn't that you'd walk away feeling discouraged or down that you're not doing enough. Maybe there are some of you that need to rise up and do more. More importantly, maybe right now you need to be edified and encouraged that you actually are contributing to making disciples. You just don't even necessarily realize it. And you need, you need a light shine on that in your life and in your heart so that you're built up and encouraged. That God is not up here like making a checkbox saying, you know what, you failed there, you failed there, you failed there. Maybe he's looking at you with a perspective of, you know what, everything you're doing there is actually contributing to making disciples. And that guy at work, and that girl that lives next door, and that friend you have, and that mother-in-law, and that person, and everybody that you're enduring and giving patience to and kindness, that's all a part of bringing them closer to Jesus, more like Jesus. We have one job. Let's do it. Let's do it. Would you stand? Father, thank you.